0: begin transmission hello everybody this is chris aka star raptor with the outer rim transmissions episode 119 this week it's all about ahsoka the long-awaited standalone kind of tie into to the mandalorian universe has now been released we got the first two episodes to talk about part one master and apprentice part two toil and trouble we're gonna be diving into all of that this week but first how you guys doing
1: Good man, I'm glad to be here, ready to talk some Ahsoka. I mean, I'm sure we all have various opinions on the premiere in mm-hmm. episode two, so I'm just ready for the show tonight.
2: Heck yeah. So what about you, Ben? Oh yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about Ahsoka. Watched it a few times this week. Um had some interesting feedback from different people I know like in real life, um enjoying it. So it was a, a pretty good week and you know, was looking forward to getting on here to talk about it.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be kind of foregoing our usual banter because there's just so much to get into with these two episodes. It was basically like the length of a movie. Um, we're going to get to that as soon as we take care of some business. So, first of all, you can always listen to us on any podcast streaming service of your choice. Just search Outer Room Transmission. I get those episodes, the new ones, out usually in the middle of the week. We could also tune in live, though, and get your quicker response by watching youtube.com starraptor. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and tell your friends about us. We want to kind of expand this positive Star Wars community that we've been building for over two years now. So join us aboard. We always have a fun time in the chat room and it's absolutely free of charge. So go ahead, tell your friends. Um this week we have just one release. It's Dr. raffer issue number, I think it's issue number thirty six, I believe pretty fun. Um, Other than that, that's basically about it. So yes, we're jumping right into the deep end here. I will put it to Ben. Um, I kind of want to get the the, kind of like the backdrop of where you were, how your viewing experience was, because mind you, this was a little bit different than we're used to. Um, Some of us are watching this after we get home from work. Um, When it comes to a Star Wars series, some of us are staying up till like 3am or some of us are perhaps waking up around 4am to watch some of the stuff that would go up but this time we got some great news from nucleus film that they were putting this out of prime time the day before um so ben how was your viewing experience this time around
2: yeah i mean it was nice for once not being able to or not having to stay up until basically 4 30 in the morning after we get done with the episode and by the time you go to sleep so that was really nice um and then the fact that it was like an actually uh, a reasonable time of release like it was just so convenient and then like you know my best friend who comes over and watches every week like he enjoyed it so it was cool just like getting to like experience that we you know we all order pizza him my dad and our family we all order pizza to watch it to watch it. And, it and it made it more of like a little event versus just like hey watching a random star wars show so like that was a big part of it and then like even my even my friend you know when he left he was like man this is the first time in like god knows how long after watching a star wars show like i'm actually like excited to like come back next week and talk about it with you or whatever um versus leaving and being like oh no hopefully it gets better because this is pretty bad you know like so like it's good to see that general reaction and like even with um some of my more extended family like my my grandma she watched it that night um my uncle he him and my aunt watched it that night and, um they all three enjoyed it so like it was good hearing um, feedback like that just from, like, just the average, not even average Star Wars fans, the very casual fans that turn on Disney and are like, oh, a new Star Wars show is coming out. So, like, it was good getting, like, that sort of feedback. But, uh, but yeah, that was kind of, like, my Tuesday night um, for the Ahsoka premiere.
1: She muted.
0: Okay, I'm somehow muted when I didn't realize I was. That's, uh... <laughs> Take a shot, everybody! If you're, if you're playing along, drinking with me, doing the mute game. Um, but yeah, Milton, I know that you are fortunate enough to get the, the following day off. Uh, usually, you have to get up really early in the morning, and you're very busy with your with your work. Um, how was your viewing experience with Ahsoka?
1: Oh, uh, it was good. Like I said, it was nice to watch it like the following day, mm-hmm. not have to like, you know have a time constraint You know, when it comes to rushing. Um, overall, I had, I had a good time with it. I mean, do I have some issues with the show? Yes. Um, and I voiced that in our group chat, but I I think it has a lot of promise. I think that certain things that they're doing was on purpose and we'll get into it. Overall, I'm, I'm excited to what they, they have, what they're thinking of doing, what they're showing us. Again, I do have some reservations, however, I had a good experience with it, So I'm not, not checked out yet.
0: Not checked out yet. Probably not the, the type of review I was expecting from you, but I'm also kind of in the same territory, to be honest. Um, as far as my viewing experience was, I, I liked it because I I usually work till eight o'clock, so it gave me just enough time to take care of some errands on the way home from work, get home, and then actually watch it with somebody for a change. So I watched it with my mother um and that was really fun because you know I, i'm the guy that's going to be sitting there pointing out oh that character's from this oh this <laughs> character's from that so i i enjoy doing that as at the quiet moments i'm try, not trying to talk over dialogue or anything but i'm like oh this is this person and she was seeing my reaction like probably like okay my son's maybe too much into this stuff because i'm like seeing the ship seeing the oh, oh, oh i'm like leaning in my chair for most of the episode trying to You know how it is the first time you watch these, you're just on bated breath, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But for me, it was just a lot clearer watching the episode when I'm, like, you know, right off of work rather than all groggy waking up and you know, early in the morning. So I was able to absorb it a little bit better. Um, And overall, I think it did add for the viewing experience to be better. Because uh, it added that anticipation, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I get I get something to look forward to when I get home from work, because I just have to get home and get the TV ready. And that that's the the end of the that's the reward for the end of the to get into the end of the day. So that was a nice right. thing to kind of just relax and get into the Star Wars headspace on a Tuesday night. But oh, yeah. As, yeah, so as far as my, uh, we'll go over initial impressions. Thanks for giving us your initial impressions, Milton, um, and I'll throw it over to you, Ben, once I share mine. But yeah, I, I I was I was very very satisfied. I think would be the right word. Was I was I overwhelmed? No. Was I underwhelmed? No. I was kind of like right there in the middle, where it's like, yeah, this these episodes, they did their job. I think other if I compared these to other premieres, if I Believe it or not, if I compare this to the Obi-Wan premiere, I think that even was better for me. Um, Andor premiere probably better than me. I, I try not to compare it to other properties and stars, but it is kind of diff- It is kind of hard not to sometimes. Um, but I think where I get the hung up hung up on is the the naming of the show. They should have called this the Sabine Wren show, if you asked me. But I don't think it would get nearly as much clout and popularity if they branded it that way. But, you I mean, know... Real for all
1: the, it could have just called this Rebel Season 5.
0: That is even better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, I, I think they did okay. But, like, yeah, certain characters, like... I I said I was bought into the Hera character, but with that one little sequence. And I kind of backpedal now because I'm like, okay, there's a lot of nitpicky things. I know, Ben, you are saying this in the chat. Yeah, a lot of the things I say are nitpicky. But enough of the nitpicky things add up to where, like... It it takes down a couple points for me off the show. Ah, uh, Ahsoka, you know, not. I just feel like she's not very charismatic in these these first episodes, and it kind of bothers me. Like this this is the namesake of the show, and I feel like I'm not getting enough character out of her right now. And I know it, it could be better, but like if you are looking at this as a premiere. I wanted a little bit more from her. I just want a little bit more from her. I will say, as, as uh, Milton and you were saying in our chat, like, the action's great. The choreography is fantastic. It's great scene. Really, really awesome lightsaber duels again. Um, certain scenes kind of lingered on, and that was another thing. Like, whether it be the speeder bike chase down the Lothal Highway, cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth, like, that went on too long. Again, a little nitpick. But the dialogue and the sequencing of the delivery of certain bits of information just felt like they dragged on. And maybe it's refreshing to Star Wars to have something like this, I guess people are saying, but like, I just expected things to be like more snappy, snap and go, snap and go kind of like a little bit more dynamic. And it was just like, all right, you have characters talking in interior one and they're just kind of like, they say something, there's like an awkward pause and then. And then another line, a reply to that. And it just like really caught me off guard where I'm like, this doesn't really feel as much as Star Wars as it usually does. It's kind of weird the way it is. So yeah, um real quick we'll talk we're gonna talk about all the episodes in a lot of detail. Um I love the introduction the introduction of the new characters. Balon Skull, great, Shin, great. Great seeing Morgan Elsbeth, seeing all that stuff. The, the combat was great. The visuals were great. this is this is the best looking show, I think to date as far as like the amount of extras, the amount of CGI, the amount of little details in the background. This feels more like a movie. It's just some of the characters are what were the drawback for me. I'll throw it over to you, Ben.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, um, when it comes to that, like I can see where you're coming from on a lot of those points, but a lot of those points for me personally, I like I personally disagree on. Like I just really, um, I had a really good time with the the um, the premiere. Like I thought, of course, as you mentioned, like all the highlight points, like the action points, those were all great. Um, mm-hmm. the fact I don't th- I don't think we mentioned it yet. I loved the opening crawl to help set the tone Ooh, yeah. more, especially yeah, yeah. with it being in red. Like I thought that was, um, I thought that was really well done. Just because, again, like I think a lot of these decisions they like Dave. Um, and, um, what's her name? Carrie Beck, I believe. Um, those are like two of the main people involved on this show. Like, you know, they, I think a lot of the decisions they made for this this premiere is focused around catching a lot of the general audience up to speed with what's going on, who our characters are, like generally speaking, um, you know, you have to establish Sabine as kind of, like, a rebellious character, which you you get that, basically. You have to um, establish Ahsoka as a, a skilled Jedi, which, you know, they showed her skill against the, like, HK droids. Um, so, like, you know, you have those general things, and then you have to establish of, of Hera, of course, as, like, you know, a Republic general, and, like, her being kind of, like, the moral compass character, like she was in Rebels, you know, they do that. Um, so, you know, I think those were a lot of the reasons for the pacing um, and just the overall editing of the episodes is for like a lot of the general audience members, because you know, us as hardcore star Wars fans, we're looking at this and we're just like wanting to jump right into like hit the ground running Rebels season five. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember like, that's not where we're at. Like that's not where we're at at all because Chris's mom and my grandma have never watched a minute of Rebels other than on accident. Like, (laughs) so so you know, so like that's that's the big thing I think a lot of Star Wars fans forget about is like if you're talking if you're talking Star Wars online like on Twitter, on YouTube or whatever, you're in the minority of the overall viewing audience um, for a lot for the most part um, because you know the average people don't. So like that's that's where I think the big disconnect is is like um, you know Dave even mentioned you don't have to watch Rebels to understand what's going on. Like he mentioned that months ago. So it's just, like, I think that's where a lot of the decision-making came from. And then I think, like, with me, when it came to a lot of those moments, like, with Ahsoka or Sabine, like, when they were, like, lingering on those characters more, I think, anyways, like, it was feeling, like, more, more like, character reflection moments than uh, moments that that were necessarily, like, just a quick snappy edit and move on. Like, I feel like they're more meant to be more, like, you know, yeah, character reflection moments. Um, but yeah, so like overall for me, like I thought the premiere was really good. Um, to me, it was the best premiere like by a mile since Mandalorian season two. I don't think like I even, I even watched, um, just for like a fun exercise this week, I watched the premieres of the other shows, oh. um, just to like, that, that would have been my week in star Wars if we would have started that, um, started with that. But yeah, so I watched the premieres of the other shows and like I, and then I watched this one again, actually over the mm. um, weekend with my, with my cousin and and I just uh yeah, like for me, I feel like this was the most interesting premiere from a standpoint of like action, um, solid characters, uh, and those type of things. And then introducing a new threat and just the fact um I think they did a good job of like sewing the threads of the potential threat of Thrawn, like the last Imperial Grand Admiral, you know, that whole spiel. And then like the introduction of Balin and Shin yeah. um, were so good. Like to me. Um that felt like the like the anti version of the Phantom Menace like the negative oh, version yeah. of the Phantom Menace. Definitely. And then there's a then there's the other shot of them where it literally was just like a shot for shot um remake of um Darth Maul on the hill with the droids like it was um on oh. Tatooine like it oh, yeah, just felt yeah. it just felt just like another shot from Phantom Menace like so they definitely took inspiration from that. Um but yeah, that's kind of like my overall just my general rundown of the premiere of like what i liked um and enjoyed and then of course the music kevin kinder nailed oh the music. yeah must- the
0: music music plays a big part in star wars uh, i go back to kenobi a lot and kenobi didn't last any impression at all no impression left by kenobi i i'm sorry about the composer i, I don't know her name off the top of my head she did great stuff in loki, loki. and that has memorable i remember humming and really jiving to that song, and I wondered like, what was lost in translation to the Obi Wan Kenobi series? Because honestly, with that series, it felt like certain dialogue scenes, it was like a, it was like a soap opera music in the background. I know that because my mother watches them daily. I'm like, <laughs> you guys couldn't have done something a little bit more epic there. I mean, like, come on. But then going to Kevin Kiner, like we've been asking for this guy to come to the live action stuff for years now. And it's yeah. like, what took him so long? Because this is the best live-action music I've heard yet in a Star Wars yeah. series.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, it, it always felt with Kevin Kiner, it always felt to me anyways, it was like, nah, you're the animated music guy. You stay over there. Like, that's what it always felt like. And it's like, now he's finally getting his shot to do live-action, and he's continuing to perform. Like, that's... It's just... It's really good. Like, I just... I'm really happy that... um that he's able to was able to do it um but yeah like music like you said is really important um yeah, yeah.
0: what did you think about the music there milton
1: i loved it i've always yeah. been a big fan of kevin connor uh-huh i mean he's pretty much i mean because he did clone wars too right oh hell yeah yeah oh, yeah so like because i'm I mean, obviously i'm a huge fan of clone wars and i love the way he used music in clone wars and how he transitioned it into rebels mm-hmm. um i will say um, Mandalorian's music pretty is pretty damn good, it too. It's pretty good, uh, yeah. Lud- What's his name? Ludwig something? Ludwig, Ludwig Yeah, he, he did the Black Panther uh, movies, which yeah. I love that soundtrack. But I would say him, Kevin Kiner, and even Michael Giacchino, who did uh, uh, yeah, you know, one. Because yeah. I love that soundtrack. That's top five for me when it comes to Star Wars. So Kevin Kiner is probably the closest to George Lucas. Or not George Lucas. John Williams. Um, when it comes to rhythms timing meshing old cool themes with new um i mean in a lot of ways you you would if you didn't know who he was you would think oh that's john williams like disciple you know that's his apprentice how, how yeah. he uses music i love the music it stood out for me um love the open and crawl the open and crawl yeah. did get my attention i loved it how it was in red yeah it reminded me very much of the first order um yeah. And then obviously, like that first, the first five minutes of the show was was very appealing. Oh yeah, caught you. It it, it sucked you in. You're like, okay, who who are these dark Jedi or Sith or whomever they are? Because we don't we don't know what they're calling themselves yet. Or dark force users. Um, It made you like, oh shit, this is actually something that's happening. Overall, I I thought the visuals of this show looked amazing, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure we'll get more specifically about what we liked. But I overall liked what I what I saw. I think my voicemail that I left you guys in the uh, group <laughs> chat it was very much like pacing threw me off. Ahsoka's rhythms threw me off a little bit. But we have to realize she is thirty something, forty something years old. So True. adults, people tend to change when they get older. She's no longer seventeen. You know, we remember Ahsoka as sure. hyperactive and, and hyper-focused and very talkative and, you know, arrogant. I mean, she's still arrogant, but she's not, a. she don't have that childlike energy no more. You know, she's very much jaded. You see that. So I say that kind of threw me off, but then I have to remember, okay, mm-hmm. what she's been through. Um, you know, like I said, I, I have a lot of good things to say about it. I have some negative things, but I, again, I we'll get into this
0: let's talk about the crawl man i didn't i don't know about you ben but i didn't see this coming did you know about this ahead of time
2: no like i I knew a lot of things about this show and this is definitely not one of them like when when that opening crawl started my my friend and like my family they were like what the heck is like, like like my dad my dad who knows nothing like he couldn't tell you if this was darth vader in this show or who like he wouldn't be able to tell you a thing about this show but like he, he was like, wait, are we watching a, is this a, he said, I, he was like, I don't have time to watch a two and a half hour Star Wars movie. I said, no, 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 no. it's a show. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. Um, Like, so, so, you know, it, it kind of already set the tone. Like I had to laugh because, you know, when he said that, but it's like, it was cool. Cause it caught everybody's attention. Like my dad was actually the first one to like speak, which was hilarious. Cause like, he normally never talks during movie, during shows. And he was just like, wait, is this a movie? Um, But yeah, I thought it was a really nice way to set the tone the fact that it was in the red so it set like the ominous feeling and then the lead-in because see i was ready to um critique the graphics of the crawl being red versus um the traditional style because i was like wait if we go from red into ahsoka serbeen or hera it's going to be weird because you're you're setting an ominous tone so we I I immediately thought we have to be going straight to either Morgan Elspeth or uh, maybe even Balin to start. And then, you know, it happens to be Balin and Shen. So, like, I thought it was a great setup um, for the series as a whole. And to set the tone, like, Mm. um, kind of like, you know, like to catch people up to speed. Like, hey, read it, you know, it'll catch you up to speed a little bit. And then, um, of course, just setting the tone leading into, you know, what we see... With Balin and Shin.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because I could spend a whole episode just on this darn crawl, just from like the philosophy of it. Because we know that Lucasfilm was so dead set on their ways of we're making the films special because they're the only thing now in Star Wars existence <laughs> that's going to have an opening crawl. No video games, no TV series, nothing. So this is gonna like this is the first time we've seen a crawl since 2019. Yeah. It's been four. Yeah, years. Dave Filoni's like, yeah, forget that. So <laughs> that's cool because it really opens up the viewers into what they're expecting. Again, we're getting a lot of first-time viewers that aren't familiar with these characters, that aren't familiar with Thron. Why is he important? So we're already laying no seeds for the for the casual audience of okay, this is what the series is about. We're jumping in now, and I like how again. We're going to jump into this first sequence now. Uh, Milton, you've talked a little bit about it, about Ben and Skull and Shin Hati. Uh, just this, and then Ben, you mentioned about the anti-Phantom Menace perspective of things. First off, I just love that we're finally getting to see the New Republic military. We know that they decommissioned like 95% of their forces, but they do have like the Home One around. They do have other big ships like this. And I like and I was telling you guys this on the chat about how you have such a clear trajectory from where we see Ahsoka in season two, where she has Morgan Elsbeth as a prisoner. And now we're seeing, okay, where is that prisoner held? So it was, it was a really nice, easy kind of tie in like a backdoor pilot in season two of, of Mando to be like, okay. Yeah. You remember that person? Okay. This is her. And this is where our story picks up. And I like that. We get that sense of foreboding, like, Oh, we have these two people. They say they're Jedi. It's like, wait, what Jedi are even around anymore? Can these people be serious? And just like the arrogance of that New Republic officer to be like, "Yeah, I don't believe you're Jedi," <laughs> and he's like, "We are no Jedi." You get such great action and just the mystery. There's so much with Star Wars. Whether you know J.J. Abrams really is good on those mystery box things and all that. He put in in Force Away. Like, I had that sort of feeling like, okay, like, we're getting these characters. We haven't seen them before. They're Jedi, maybe, where they learn their training. Like, instantly, I want to know more about these people. And the fact that Ray Stevenson, uh God bless the guy, um, you know, I've seen him in the presence of him, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this poor guy is giving a hell of a performance, and we know he passed away recently. But yeah, what was your Thoughts in more detail about this scene here, Milton.
1: Fire. Yeah. It, it was fire. Like it was it was that good. I mean, again, this is my brother and I were talking about this before we got on the podcast because he texted me. He texted me, I think, a day or two after the premiere, but we both agreed that those villains seem like a legit threat to Ahsoka. And I said to him, I said, you know. As much as I'm not a big fan of the sequel trilogy and how that went down, you can clearly see that they put time in this particular show yeah. when it comes to lightsaber duels. Oh, like, we're Dave, going to see it. lightsaber duels and we're going to see great fighting, as they should. And my, I was telling my brother, I said, you know, Ahsoka should not get her ass whooped at all in this show unless she's fighting uh, Balin. Or Elz- was it Elsbeth? That's how you say her last name? Yep.
2: yep. Yeah, Elsbeth.
1: Like Elsbeth or like, you know, some type of like Jedi who's older. Or mm-hmm. Sith- who's older than her. Because at that point, there will be experience. They would be strong in the Force, that type of thing. I said, there's no way Ahsoka gets touched in the show. Even when she fought that Inquisitor, you yeah. knew she wasn't going to lose because she's yeah. that good. You know, And it's like, I love how they made her actually really, really good. Because they can easily do the Disney thing and just make, mm-hmm. make her struggle and make her, like, you know, be weak. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, she was trained by freaking Anakin. Mm-hmm. She was trained by Obi-Wan. She was trained by Yoda and, uh, who's the other one? Not Plo Plo Koon. Plo Koon. Plo Koon, yeah. Like, she better be wrecking people. And she should only struggle against people that are of her skill or better. I loved how they didn't, like, like depower her, which is amazing. Yep. But you never know. It's Disney. Because yep. my gripe my gripe is um Ray never struggles when it comes to fighting in the sequel trilogy. She never gets hurt and she never loses a battle, which is weird to me. But of the action, love the first scene. I it set the tone, so at that point, I was clearly locked in. In, in this, I mean, Balian looks so good wielding that saber, and Shin, okay, like she she can do some damage.
2: Oh yeah, well, well, here's the cool. Here's the thing about her, like. I'm sure you guys noticed, like she has the little Jedi braid, apprentice braid. So yeah. it's like, so so here here's my take, kind of on Balin and Shin. Like I think they're kind of, um, I I like they would have to be dark Jedi in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. just because, because my my main um my main I guess like case point for that is like when Balin first comes in, like he. In theory, anyways, if if um, I think his name was Captain Hale, if he would have if he would have just let them, of course, you know, who's going to who's going to let you walk into a max security ship and say, hey, let me just release the prisoner, you know, but like, in theory, if he would have been able to do that, he wasn't going to, like, kill all those people. But the only reason he like him and Shin resorted to violence was because they said they couldn't do that. Like even Ray Stevenson back at Celebration, you know, like in his interview, like he talked about like like Balin basically he'll be fine until you like get in the way of what he wants. So like you know it's basically like he's only resorting to like those tactics if he has to. So it's it's a pretty cool um it's a pretty cool aspect with him. And then Shin Shin she became more and more of like an interesting character because mm-hmm. I I really feel like. That she just seems like she's going to be one of these characters, especially with the way, with the dialogue we get with them later in the premiere. Like, it just feels like Balin and her might eventually end up clashing just because it feels like he's more, like, reserved and, like, potentially, like, I don't know, I guess thoughtful about things. And she feels more, like, like, reactionary or more hard-edged toward, like, maybe the darker side of things. So, like, I could see them right. potentially classing. clashing. Clashing. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, I just, I'm really interested in both of their characters, like, and and it stinks, like I messaged you guys in the group chat, like, it's so sad, because I feel like um, Balin's gonna turn out to be one of my more favorite new characters mm-hmm. that we get introduced to, and we don't have Ray Stevenson anymore, it's like, man, like, I'm, I'm so excited to see where Balin goes, because, I mean, heck, based on, like, Like the where we're heading to next, like we could maybe get Balin and Ahsoka fighting in this next episode potentially. I
0: really think like that that trailer that we see, they're on the planet, and I don't have the damn planet names recognized because unfortunately I'm gonna watch it again right after this podcast with my girlfriend for the first time with her. I've only seen the episode once, so I do not have any of the the locations saved in my brain yet. But um, it looks like they're gonna probably fight next episode would be my assumption. Yeah, but I. I don't know if I, if they cut it out of the trailers or what, but I never noticed that Shin Hattie had a Padawan braid in any of the promotion a-
2: material. Did they yeah, cut no, I out? don't out? I don't remember. Because here's the thing with us. like, If she would have had a Padawan braid, we would have talked about it on this podcast. Yes.
0: And the interesting thing is, okay, so it's been about at least 25 years since Order 66. I don't know. I don't think she's... Old enough to have been part of the Jedi Order officially, because even Huang is examining a lightsaber hilt, and he's like, "This one I do not recognize." He's twenty-six thousand years old. Like Huang is one of the oldest, like, things in Star Wars. He's been around the Jedi Order. He has every single thing in his memory bank, but he doesn't have her. So I'm very curious. Like, this is where I would want like a whole book series or or a three book series on Skull. In Hite's, like journey through the galaxy. As Tales he's the Jedi. training her. Yeah, Tales of the Jedi. Like, where he finds this girl. And just how you train somebody like that during the dark times. When you're mercenaries. Because they even have mentioned in the first episode. Elsbeth is saying like, oh, you'll do it for coin or something like that. So it's like right there yeah. and then. It's like, oh, this is a quality... Of a Jedi that we haven't really seen before, A Jedi that's for hire, a saber for hire, essentially.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see where they go. Like like I said, and it's gonna be cool seeing like the the uh, the character matchups between Balin and mm-hmm. Sh- and um, Ahsoka, and then Shen and Sabine. Like it's gonna be interesting to see like where these character matchups end up landing um, in the long run of this series.
0: Yeah. So we got to talk about the main character of the series, Ahsoka, of course. We see her kind of starting out in this series, doing very Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark type of stuff. So I enjoyed that opening. Again, slower paced, kind of investigative, kind of like Batman playing detective of ooh, where does this go? Where is this leading to? Ooh, and she finds the the cool... Uh,
2: I saw a lot of people hot. saying Jedi Survivor puzzles.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, there you go, there you go. Great uh, <laughs> great combat action sequence, and we see her kind of go through. Um, but yeah, as I was saying off the top, like, in Milton, you kind of hit the nail on the head with this. Like, yeah, I, I guess I'm still hung up on the idea that I want my Ahsoka to be like Ahsoka from Clone Wars, and based off of a lot of trauma in her life, it makes sense that she's a lot more stoic than she used to be. For good reason, she's been through a lot in her her long, long life, uh, living through an entire war and all that crap, two wars. And
1: that's the thing she she she's been in war. One, I mean, think about it. And this is a common theme too that you picked up on the show with her. And, and I will get into this later. Is that she she tends to run away. So like, mm. she, she has all this trauma of one feeling betrayed by the Jedi Order, and then again, this is for non Star Wars fans or non Rebels and Clone Wars fans. You know, she has trauma of being betrayed, not believed, being forced to leave her family—the only family she knew. And then she walked away from her her master, who she had a very close relationship with. He turns (spoiler alert) comes Vader, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, like the Jedi Order is done, and then everything happens for that twenty-year span. And then she decides to you know, help these rebels, and then uh, what's it? in Kanan dies. That's yep. he rel- help post- dies. Her apprentice is done. Like, it's so much for all, her. Like, blows up. Alderaan, I, I mean, it, yeah. You know like, she had because she was still in communication with, uh, what's his name? The Bill Rebels. So, like, all all that stuff that like, she's experienced so much. So you don't know what's going on in her head. She, I mean, low key, she's probably a basket case. She's just better at hiding it. You know? So mm-hmm. I, I get it. So if they're trying, if, if they come back and tell us, and I think we're going to get something like this in an episode where she's Change so much because of what she's witnessed again as a child into adulthood. I can see why her personality would change the way it is now, and that that was one of my gripes initially because I was like, yeah. she's just so like low key, like just not calm, just like cold, and just like to the yeah. point. And it's like, it was like, okay, Milton, you have to remember she's literally thirty-seven years old at this point. Her character yeah
0: he's no longer seventeen. So there you go. What about you, Ben? What was your reaction to just the overall character of ahsoka in this these two episodes?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just pretty much echo all of Milton's points. Like I think she, uh, you know, like she went through a lot of stuff, obviously. And then another um, point to add on to like your points as well, Milton, about her like running and like mm. failing on things. I mean, look, she left Sabine basically like off screen. I mean, we we didn't like we haven't got the full full explanation, but it sounds like she just pretty much said, "Sorry, I, I'm I'm done with you. I'm not going to train you anymore," or something. Like you know, she pretty much just fired her as her apprentice or something. So like you know, she also has that potential like failure like weighing on her, and then now she's having to like go back to this person to work with them after pretty much firing them so it's just like you know she has a lot of this like building and building and building and then the thing is too with ahsoka i mean i'm not sure exactly with like the way the world between worlds thing works like with like say ahsoka like coming back and all this stuff blah 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 but like i just assumed it had to be something kind of like your uh I don't know, I guess like you're back to the future. Like you can't mess with things in the present. So like she probably couldn't really mess with stuff in the original trilogy era. So like she was probably just like in hiding all the time. So, you know, you have that on top of everything. So it's just like, um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of like character things like that with her, Um, you know, that that came along with that. So I would say that's why. And then I think the big reason or the big way we could potentially be getting her out of that or at least being more hopeful because right now she's not as hopeful I would say like she's more stoic I mean look when Sabine like loses the map and stuff like you know mm-hmm. all that stuff it's just like a lot of stoicism because of those reasons but I think a big part or a big character that could play a part in that of getting her back of course is like Sabine's potential like journey but of course like if we run into Anakin or when we run into Anakin down the road at this point, Um, and then also Hera, like Hera's being like the moral compass figure for, Mm -hmm. for her potentially like giving her advice, giving her, giving Sabine advice, like all these things. So I feel like Hera is going to kind of be your moral compass character of the series for all the characters. I mean, I mean, you know, the Star Wars talks so much on their social media before the show, like, Hey, she's like the mother of the galaxy or like all the mother, like the motherly related things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Hera's playing that kind of like motherly role already.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd argue that I didn't get enough of that actually, Ben. Um, yeah, I wish I stuff. wish
2: I had a little bit more Hera like yeah good feel good feeling. I do wish I had more of like the um, you know Milton, you know what I mean, like more of like the Diggle Oliver pep talk. I wish I would have more yeah. like the Hera Ahsoka pep talk from these first two I mean, episodes.
1: Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I, I mean the the thing is though, will they write it in a way where it doesn't waste time? Yep, you know, that's
2: the if, big if they thing. Write
1: it, if they write it in a way where it's impactful and it makes sense and it's needed, sure, I'm all about it. But yep. I just don't want to get caught up in the unnecessary, you know, dialogue that we don't need. Like, just move the show. I mean, again, yeah. it's only eight episodes. Yeah, so that—that's my fear with these shows. Is like, give us the, like you have plenty of time to write these and put them together and make them perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not a 24 episode season. You have to fill it. Um, but no, that that makes sense. I, I really think you're right. That that would have been nice to have that Hera motherly. Well, she kind of was doing that because she was saying like it was well, just kind of short. It was so short. She's like, well, she, maybe she wants to come back. Maybe she wants to be your princess. Have you asked her or something? Whatever she says. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's there.
0: Yeah. So I like the whole again a nice tie in this episode was to season two episode five the Jedi. Where we see Ahsoka for the first time, live action, we get this interesting conversation between Din Djarin and, and Ahsoka, and they're sitting on a log in the middle of that foresty planet. Of oh, she refuses to train Grogu. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Why would this powerful Jedi or whatever, I guess she calls her a Jedi herself, a Jedi at this point in time, why would she do? Why wouldn't she train Grogu? Now we see she had failed or walked away from Sabine. So I don't know if Dave Filoni had this planned like years and years and years ago. Maybe this was an idea he's had for season five of Rebels and animation. This was a storyline. And as we know that originally the Mandalorian um, and basically Dave Filoni went up to Kathleen Kennedy and was like, I'm writing this. And John Favreau was like, let's make a live action Star Wars thing based on Mandalorians. And Kathleen Kennedy's like, let's just meld the two stories you guys are making together. I think this is like this is obviously the Dave Filoni story that he had in mind. And Jon Favreau's series is like leading into this one. So I thought it was pretty cool how we're getting um just, again, more tie in to direct tie-ins to like previously. And this is where this is specifically like a tie-in yeah. series. Like, yes, yeah, so you could watch a series without watching The Mandalorian. But now we're getting more of a character arc when you have already watched The Mandalorian. So I appreciate that kind of like... I don't know if like retroactively inserting this or if they had it planned all along, but pretty good stuff there. I want to move on to Sabine Rant. So this was the talk of the town when we got that trailer and we got the big bomb drop where it was like, we know that Sabine is the apprentice of Ahsoka. So Milton, I'm going to throw it over to you. What did you think of Sabine, the character? What do you think of uh, Lisa Bordura? I, I forget her name. I'm going to have to memorize that. Uh Ben, do you know the actress's name? Um Something Lou Bar- oh, Bardoza. Natalie something. I, I, I thought, thought I was it was. think it was Natasha Na- Na- Natasha Lou, oh, Lou Bardoza or something. Yes. Yep,
2: that's what it is.
1: What do you think of the character? Uh well, before I get into the character, the actress, um she's she's talented. I didn't I didn't know who she was obviously before this. She's a hottie i mean she ain't bad, she ain't bad to look at and pretty much like they they perfectly cast her for sabine like she looks yeah it's like the animation version i'm just like god damn like this is crazy like it was that perfect when i see her i'm like oh that's sabine when i when i look at hera i see obi-wan's wife you know i'm saying so like ah. i mean like, no i mean i'm not trying to be ignorant like that but it's like so, like old girl looks exactly like her counterpart from the show so and, and it makes sense. Um, but nah, she she's fire looking, you know, but she's very talented. Um sure, I'm sure my girls gonna think that's like obnoxious me saying that, but it's <laughs> funny. Um nah, like overall the character, I like the character. I mean it, yeah. it made sense. She was very consistent to what she was in the animated show. She was arrogant, she was cocky, she was impulsive, uh, she was she was very caring and supportive of her team. He just does it differently she goes about it differently um, again that's that's consistently been sabine whether it's animation or live action so I will say they've so far Dave has written that character pretty consistent so I I really can't complain about how he's written her thus far well, obviously if she if he writes her completely different than what we're used to hopefully there's a reason for it but i don't see it i still think he'll keep it consistent um i haven't seen any complaints online about a particular character when it comes to how she's playing it because you know if the internet and star wars fans are it can't always please them but um no I, i'm fine with her i liked house i liked how she portrayed the character i love that she's able to use a lightsaber the only thing is don't give her the force don't give her the force, like don't don't make her a quote-unquote an actual Jedi. Like that's mm. just not needed, because there was never a sense of it in the animation of, of the animation. Like she, I, I I believe she can use a saber because of the dark saber. That makes sense. But don't don't give her the force. That that's that's pushing it, in my I, opinion.
0: Yeah, I I I don't know. Maybe it's something about her using a, a lightsaber with a kyber crystal. Can somehow spark something in her? Like we have seen a lot of examples through the Star Wars timeline of characters. Like, look at Luke Skywalker. He was nineteen before he realized he could use the Force. Look at oh, I
1: I thought in the comic books he was when he was a kid. He was using it unintentionally uh, because of his senses, and maybe. maybe I thought he was able to like do certain things because of the Force. He just didn't know it.
0: True. Um, yeah,
1: I, I, well, I mean, I'm well, not sure. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Well, well, but then kind of like on the same
2: foot of that though, Milton. Like not to like not to like um, counter your your point there, but like oh. but Anakin like Anakin using was unintentionally using the Force in pod racing. That's the only reason he was yes. able to do it as a human. But the like, thing is, who's to say like was was Sabine's reaction times as a Mandalorian? Was it because she's a Mandalorian, or was it because? she has the force assisting her i think the good thing though that dave did that he put in there just a little nugget to shield from the potential like jedi criticism is he had high say hey you are literally the worst possible like force user jedi out there like ever that i've ever that i've ever meant ever ever seen you're literally the worst the last person possible so like it's good that, like, they put that in there to, like, oh. it kind of shields them from criticism, but it also is... I think it also... It's going to set kind of... I mean, I could see this potentially down the line, say, in episode six, seven, eight. Like, if Sabine hasn't been, you know, I don't know, throwing sh- stuff around with the Force, and people being like, hey, why isn't she using the Force? Blah, blah, blah. Oh. Well, it's because yeah. Dave already put that in the series. Like, he already put that mm. in there, like, hey, she is the worst possible Force user.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. it's... And the only way the only way I'd be okay with her having powers is if they tied into the Clone Wars, because do you remember whenever the old, the Dark Saber was first introduced, they talked about the first Mandalorian Jedi? But well, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, whatever clan that was, Tarvizla. Tarvizla. Yeah, is, is she part of that clan? Well, here's the thing.
0: What happens if she's the, the long-lost ancestor of that specific
1: guy? That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. If, she, if they tie it into where he says, okay, she's the lost long ancestor of the first Mandalorian, Jedi, clan, whatever. All right, that's cool because I've seen it. Like I've seen him put it already in the show. Yep. Yep. That would make sense. I'd be totally fine with oh, that. Yeah. They, they need to do it. I, that's how I would write it because that's a nugget that true fan Star Wars fans know about. But then I would say to an actual fan, well, who the hell is this? Go back to this episode of Clone Wars. They explain it pretty clearly. Mm-hmm.
2: And the cool, the, well, the cool part about that too, Milton, is if they do go this route of having her become a Jedi, for a lot of the general audience members, I don't know, like like your girlfriend watching or Milton, your mom or whoever, they'll probably just see her and be like, "Oh, cool! A, a lightsaber wielding Mandalorian clad character. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Like you know, like that's you know that that's that that'll be a lot of people's." Um, like the general people's viewpoints and you know us as fans could be like appreciating it more if they like take it that ancestorial like um lineage route so like i think that's really good and like for me the big thing with her character was i loved her introduction like i saw some mm-hmm. people nitpicking about her music i love yeah. the intro music of her on the, the speeder bike because it felt like sabine and chris correct me if i'm wrong but i saw some star wars like just random star wars people on twitter talking <laughs> What is her? Is the music that was playing was that like an End Universe thing from like either Jedi Fallen Order or Survivor or like, or, oh, really? or something or another? I saw someone saying like the music that was playing was music that was taken from like another game or oh. it, might be, it was like an End Universe thing or something.
0: I mean, it certainly sounded like it would fit perfectly in um the the kobo tavern
2: in uh jedi survivor yeah (laughs) okay that 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 might be where it's from because i saw a lot of chatter like i saw that on several different like review videos people bringing that up so it's from something in universe so i thought that was cool like a cool incorporation of it Mm -hmm. and i just loved you know like i said her introduction it felt like sabine's character and then like the fact that you know when she fights shin like that like, was her character, like, I don't know, it's cool that she still could, like, fight, even though she's not a full-blown Jedi, like, she's still a warrior like, yes,
0: as, and and here's here's something I really didn't like about the episode, as cool as that fight was, what what really was the purpose of her getting stabbed like, were they really gonna get us to believe that she was dead, like, do that on the second to last episode, like, later in the season and I'll buy it, but like, I knew she
2: was safe, you know, (laughs) well, do it do it, in my opinion, they should have done it at the end of episode two Because Mm -hmm. then, then, you know, you're like, oh, no, you got to wait for a week, like, just at least to speculate some. So, like, that was my only, like, little thing about that where I was like, okay, it's still, even though, you know, we, us as hardcore fans knew she wasn't going to die, like, it still is a, like, a whoa moment. Like, when you Mm -hmm. see it, like, I don't know, I wasn't expecting her to get stabbed like that just because it was, like, you know, it was surprising. And then, of course, like, insert all the amazing, like, Qui-Gon's the only person to get stabbed meme And die. Um, (laughs) But it's just like, I I just laugh so much because like, if you think about it guys, it's like, Darth Maul gets chopped in half, lives. Emperor gets exploded in the Death Star, lives, basically. Um, You know, you got Reva getting stabbed multiple times by Vader. You got got Grand Inquisitor um, getting stabbed. Inquisitor getting stabbed. (laughs) You get get all these people getting stabbed um, left and right. Now, Now Sabine and it's like, I guess that's like instead of the hand cutting off thing, that's gonna be like this era's thing, like, oh, are we just like so basically <laughs> what people, what what my interpretation of a lot of these stabby things are is basically if Qui-Gon would have had medical attention nearby, he would have survived on paper, I guess. But it's I don't know, it's just it's just a funny thing at this point. But well, at least if you guys didn't notice, like the good thing is where she got stabbed, it was like more off to the side at least, so it wasn't like stabbing her through her chest or something yeah So like that's that's the most important thing i think for me in that in that situation but i really liked though with the fight i really liked the choreography of that fight mm. though just the way it the way it looked like the the choreography and the cinematography combined like the way it looked i don't know i just i just love the way shin fights like i'm i'm so interested in her character
0: yeah Milton, you're our choreography guy here on the channel and yeah, you're uh
1: damn right it looks yeah, good
0: you look good no, yeah.
1: that, look this is why i'm gonna say it till 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 the casket drops it's like <laughs> it's, we should have been getting these types of fights especially in the sequel movies and i know people be like milton all you do is complain about that but it's like did, it, Dave it said- logically makes sense to why we need to get f- fights like this and it's not like we yep. didn't need all the twirls and stuff i'm not asking for all the prequel stuff but even with this this is post return of the jedi yeah. Ahsoka's nice. Like Ahsoka grew up in the golden age of the Jedi, so mm. she would have all that. But you can tell that that Inquisitor was he or she was nice, but he wasn't, like, as you definitely tell, his level was not at the same level as hers. So he had to tweak how he fought. You see how um, uh, Sabine was fighting. She was very much like Luke Skywalker from Empire Strikes Back. On mm. mm. her saber and fighting like that, which is a cool could, that makes sense, though. She's very mm. much basic He's more like probably offensive, not really defensive like he was in Return of the Jedi. But that made it look great, though. She wasn't hacking like a baseball bat. She wasn't huh. hacking like she was cutting down a tree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just keeping it 100. Yep. And that's, my, my boy. My one boy always gets mad at me for saying this. I'm like, bro, there's no way Kylo Ren should have got wrecked by Ray. He was trained by Luke and freaking Kylo. Or um, what's his name? Snoke. I don't care if he got shot in the side. <laughs> well, it, all, all, he... yeah like on paper on paper if you
2: think about it that'd be like if you threw luke from a new hope into a lightsaber fight like it just wouldn't work mm. um but yeah like i really it just it was it was really good the way they did i think the stuff with sabine like the yeah. fights i mean dave, dave said it himself you know yeah. in that little documentary we referenced like he said our fans know lightsaber fights and like You know, we brought him basically saying, like, hey, guys, we heard your critiques of lightsaber fights on these movies. We got you. So Mm. it's cool that they added that in here. Um, I do also think, even though he's, like, a minor character in this premiere, I think we do have to mention, like, with Sabine's introduction, the fact that they brought in the actor that plays Ryder Azadi to play Ryder was such a big surprise to me. Oh, my gosh. Clancy Brown. I was was shocked because, like, when yes. he first started talking, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Is that Ryder Azadi? And they're like, oh, Governor Azadi, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, what in <clears> the <throat> world? Like, it, it was, it was shocking to me. That also gives me hope. Come on, bring in Hondo in one of these episodes. But it gives me hope that we might see some of our other, like, Rebels side characters Dude. as well. And the good thing is, like, with this, with Dave, is, like, he's... Like, okay, for us, us three here and our, our listeners and everybody else in the Star Wars online fanspear, it's awesome getting Ryder Azadi, but it's good that they use him in a way where it's not like, oh, you have to watch Rebels to get it. All, like all Chris's mom needs to know is he's the governor of Lothal. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. so it's cool. It just adds more value to us as hardcore fans. But then the general people, like our parents and stuff, they just get that he's the governor like dude did you guys did you guys uh get the
0: reference to jack hell the the guy that he introduced yep he's one of the cadets I mean, yeah. from the rebels episode in season one when uh, ezra infiltrates as a cadet and they're training and and that's like one of his like little people he's he's going up against
1: yeah <laughs> right
0: so yeah they definitely it's nice getting those little acknowledgments um to the wider star wars galaxy but yeah i I loved Ryder Azadi, and and just the fact that Clancy Brown, obviously, they must they modeled the anime character after him, so it's like he fits right in there. And immediately, I'm like, I don't remember him having lost an arm, so now I want to have again more backstory. Give me a comic book on like the the taking back of Lothal from the Empire or the defense of Lothal from the Empire, because in Battlefront two. You're on a mission in Bespin. You're as I, you're playing as Idom Versio and Del Mico's talking to you. And he, he's talking about like the Empire has control of Lothal at that point. So I imagine that there's probably a like guerrilla war going on that yep. planet for like the last like six, seven years. And he's the guy that's leading the charge. He's, he's sacrificing a lot, including his arm, to keep his nation, his country safe and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, really appreciated that. Now, since we've gotten to Lothal... I do want to break out and talk about the two major locations that we go to in this series. So, what were your thoughts on Lothal, Just the overall scope, the look of it, everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was done really well. Like, I've seen the picture floating around online a lot. Um, There are some shots of Lothal that are side-by-side, like, 100% taken from Rebels. So, it's cool just seeing, like, how accurate they got it. And the fact, guys, that this was all shot in the volume, you know? Like, it's like, it's crazy to see how good it looks. Like, to me, like, not to, like, throw shade at Kenobi, but come on, Kenobi, you look at that show, and then compare it to this show, it's like, how did this show get shot in the volume? And that did as well. And, you know, it looks drastically different. Different. So, like, it's great seeing how good, like, Lothal looked. Like I said, it looked screen accurate to Rebels. So, like, you know, it just, it makes, like, like I said, I really feel like, John and Dave like the way they do these things like it really feels like they um you know they have a good grasp on how to you know do things to make hardcore fans appreciate them like you know the look of Lothal but also you know general people you know it looks like a really good Star Wars planet.
0: Yeah. I I like the detail to the capital city and the spires. The way that's actually translated to live action is just the exaggerated nature of the animation and just Having that that look the way it does, having it remind me of the special edition of of Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back Mm -hmm. where you see the Falcon like entering for the first time. It's weaving through all the buildings. I got a lot of nods to Empire Strikes Back there. It's just a really beautiful city. And then we go to multiple locations. The tower that Sabine lives in, the highways that she's flying across, Like just did a great job with that planet. Milton?
1: No, I would agree. Um, I think honestly, I didn't know it was shot in volume, so Me I was like, "Oh, I mean, obviously, yeah, that, we all know CG, yeah. but I didn't realize I couldn't tell." I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is like it, it was on location, obviously green screen that type of thing." So I was very impressed with it. Um, I love the planet. What was it called with the dome? They had the uh, where the night sister was doing her, her magic. Dark planet. Yeah, I love that particular planet. I know it was very basic. Like the out the outside of what we we're looking at with the, uh, it was like on like a rock part and like the forest. But it had white. that
2: spooky feel or whatever. you
1: know? it had a spooky feel. I love how the palette was shot with the color. Um, so now I, I was impressed with what we were getting with these planets. I think we'll get more of that. Um, just because I feel like Dave is very good about wanting to show more color in Star Wars and more like different types of environments. So I, I was impressed with it. I couldn't really complain about that.
0: Yeah, and then the second episode just blew my mind because I'm a huge fan of Corellia. And yep. ever since the Old Republic, spending many times in the black hole sector, grinding my ass off, getting the gear in that game. I've, I've always been staring at those buildings. And, and then they brought it to live action for the first time in Solo, and I loved it there. Just the, the major uh, industrial complex of the Empire's creation of Star Destroyers and whatnot. And we're gonna see it again and it's like okay this is now controlled by the new republic but then uh, seeing the spy elements come into play again like we've seen in mandalorian plenty of times i love seeing like the bureaucracy of like oh yes we have everything accounted for but then it's like oh do we and you have like just this epic mm-hmm. duel with the droids with with the inquisitor over there i just absolutely love that getting another look at at Corellia.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was actually. I'm glad we got to see that just because I feel like in Solo, we got a good glimpse of it, but not really an expanded version of that planet. I think this particular episode really expanded on what the shipyard looks like, you know, and what the Empire was using that planet for. So that really stood out for me. So I really enjoyed seeing it.
0: Yeah, it's great to see Star Wars including these major locations in the series. Like, how would we ever expect. That they would th- throw Coruscant in, or Corellia or Lothal like these you yeah, got with um, what was it, uh,
1: Alderaan and uh, oh
0: yeah, Obi-Wan. yeah, Obi Wan, Tatooine. We've gotten yeah. every major planet basically in Star Wars we've seen in the movies. The major ones are our, our live action series are looking just as good, if not actually better, at this point. It's just right. we, we still need to
1: get a full like scope of Cato and Mordia. Just saying.
2: Oh yeah. Oh maybe, yeah, like maybe like with, <laughs> I mean, hey, you never know with you never know with like Dave involved, um, but yeah, like with with Corelli, though, I think the cool part about this entire sequence as well, like, one of the parts that made me, of course, like the normal fans wouldn't even think twice about it, but when they said SSD for the hyperdrive, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, a super star destroyer yeah. hyperdrive they're they're recovering, like, what's going on here? And then like even Hera saying like. You know the the New Republic doesn't have anything in production that needs that type of a hyperdrive, um, you know. So I thought that was really cool, and it adds to more of the intrigue in the second episode because you know we get, um, you know, as as you both mentioned, the light the the duel between like um, Marak and Ahsoka was really good. Like I'm excited to see what they do with um, his character. I feel like. I feel like we're on we're like on a coin flip of whether it could just be a new character or a really interesting um iteration of a character. So I think there's that with his, but um but yeah, like this episode was really cool because like the fact that like they were taking this hyperdrive to go um to go back mm-hmm. to like basically the bad guy's location, um Drakana or whatever, and they to go back there and then, you know, use it for the Eye of Scion. You know, I had I didn't note this in our group chat just because it was, like, it was such an interesting point. So, like, the Eye of Scion, to me anyways, and, like, I, I feel like it's going to be pretty much this big Jedi Starfighter-like ring. Yep. Where, it basically, they're going to use it as a pseudo-transport to get out to... um peridia oh, yeah. basically I, like so that's another that's another point i'm not based on the way balen described it like i've watched this three times already and i still am not sure exactly but the way balen describes it i'm not sure if peridia is like the journey like basically the bridge to get to the out the other galaxy because it, it's either that or that's what the other galaxy is called I, but either yeah. way
0: oh go on i was just gonna say i thought it was just a planet what what'd you think about this
1: one Made it sound like what he said was like fairy tales or something, or yeah, stories or tales or something. And she
0: said something about, yeah, it's basically true. I I thought
1: thought it was a planet, but then I mean, yeah, I think it's a planet. Okay, I think it's a planet or some type of system and made up of these planets. So, I'm I don't honestly have any idea, so I'm kind of looking forward to what that looks like.
2: Yeah, we'll see with me. I think though. Um, like I was saying, though, with this whole Eye of Scion thing and going to Peridia and all this stuff, like, that, to me, the Eye of Scion is going to be basically probably wrapped around the Chimera, and that's how they're going to get it back into mm. our Star Wars universe. Like, if if I had to put a um, a buck down on it, I would say that's probably how they're going to do it. Because if not, I'm not sure exactly what they're using the Eye of Scion then for, other than just basic transportation. Um, so, yeah, like, I thought that was a great um interesting part and of course you know we can't we can't like go without talking about the maps like i don't know about you guys but i just love seeing the maps like in star wars like when they pulled up the galaxies and like Mm -hmm. you know morgan elsbeth is doing her whole her whole monologue about the different galaxies and this sort of stuff like i i just love seeing like the layout like in universe whenever they pull up maps like that uh first off before we get
0: any further i just gotta say lucasfilm couldn't you have named that device anything different because i have scion i i'm automatically think of the eye of i have sauron which was basically this like spokesperson for sauron at the black gate in mordor mm-hmm. and i'm like mm-hmm. really like oh. that's what they named this thing come on i mean you got a oh, who oh, loves lord uh, rem-
1: <laughs> reminds me of Battlestar galactica because the <laughs> cylons like the evil like robots oh, empire of that particular so i mean it's Sauron or Cylons. It don't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But the, the,
0: that's a mind-blowing thing, guys. That is there other galaxies? Like this galaxy. So, so from my knowledge, what I know when it comes to the Unknown Regions, uh, the Unknown Regions, and I learned this from the canon Star Wars Thrawn Ascendancy Trilogy, was based all in the Unknown Regions. And according to Thrawn... The unknown regions is an area of space that is a a lot larger than what he calls lesser space, which is what we know of as the Star Wars galaxy that we're in currently. That we've known about Corellia, Nebu, all those things are in the lesser space compared to. I forget the actual term he uses for where he is in unknown unknown regions as a Chiss person, but any unknown regions, of course, is very hard to navigate. You got like these crazy rifts and stuff, and you need like certain um people that can actually you know kind of like use force sensitivity to travel through hyperspace to get to from point a to point b and all that sort of thing so i don't know if they're plotting a course to go to that other area or if it really is like an entirely other galaxy that we've never heard about like if that's the case this is gonna blow the doors open on the lore of star wars because it's a
1: about storytelling yeah, I about to say, that's what Ben just said. And also, too, I'll, I'll give credit to the Rise of Skywalker here. I mean, that's why you have the Wayfinders.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: may, maybe this is where, if, if we would have had a Wayfinder, maybe this is what Palpatine was going to use, you know, at one point, you know, when it comes to Thrawn or, or anybody in general. But mm. may, maybe the Wayfinders get introduced or mentioned or name dropped to say, hey, you know. You could have gotten here if you had a Wayfinder. Oh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I don't know. But I think the it's cool that we're getting the unknown regions expanded upon. Um, because I do believe there's different galaxies out there. I mean, when it comes to Star Wars, hell, even in real life. Look, I've never been in outer space. I have no plans to ever go. It wouldn't shock me. If there's other galaxies hundreds of miles, light years away. And there's parallel universes or whatever. Hell, like It just wouldn't surprise me because... You know, you don't just make these ideas up. I mean, There's a reason why we make these ideas up. Maybe, maybe there is some mm-hmm. truth yeah. to legends, as, Ahsoka once said in in one of the shows. So yeah. it's cool that, Dave and his team is, exploring this for us, and we're, hopefully we see it. it it'd be kind of cool. We'll be like, okay, there, this isn't just about Coruscant or Naboo. Like, there's things out there that we just don't even know yet. That Palpatine mm-hmm. or uh, not yeah. Palpatine, who's his master? Um, Plagueis. Yeah. Maybe they were onto something at one point, and just their plans changed.
0: Yeah, my ultimate hope, and I guess a part of the reason why I was uh, honestly a little soured by this premiere is like I really wanted to see Thrawn. I was hoping like there would be like that one last shot of like him in the trailer, where we see at least the back of him or something. just as a reminder. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that like Ahsoka is sort of a backdoor entry of a new threat to the star wars galaxy that doesn't really come into mind until like the ray movie like 15 years later i'm really hoping that they're laying the seeds for something greater you know
2: see chris um like i said i have to give a shout out to my my friend star wars santa but his thing he keeps falling on is they just need to do whatever they need to do for this show uh the mando show whatever the mando movie etc but Thrawn just needs to like at some point, mention the Grisk, and then just let yes. that fast forward to the to the Ray movie fifteen years later. Like, you know, and it's like that would be that'd be cool, like to introduce something like, something like that. But um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting just to see like how we get there because this show basically is just a race against time for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes. Like, good guys racing to get to Ezra, yep. bad guys racing to get to Thron. Who can get there first? And and you know, you know, like it's going along those lines. So it's gonna be crazy. Like, I just can't wait to see just visually what this other galaxy mm. like potentially looks like. That's what I'm interested to see because I feel like with them making a big stink about this pretty much being a different galaxy, like they might throw like a curveball at us, like maybe something like physics wise, like you know, there might be something just totally yeah. just random we're not expecting. I mean I mean heck, maybe um Maybe that's that's where we get the pergola at or something eventually. Yeah, or like, like what if like Yeah. Yeah. What Go if on. like Jedi can't really use the
0: force over there or something? Instead of having like the um the Yassil-Mari or whatever. Yassil-Mari. Like pre- Yasilimari, instead of having them, what if Ahsoka uh, goes there and suddenly has to do something else besides use the force? She has to use a different tactic and that's why thrawn's over there he, he he can stay over there in that like forced bubble where he doesn't have to worry or something right. i don't know
1: yeah yeah no that, that'd be kind of that'd be different i'm I'm just curious honestly you know what what what's thrawn's mindset going to be mm-hmm. when we see him like is he going to be the same type of person he's been banished for what i guess i don't know what the time frame is ten how years. long has he been away
0: 10 years It'd
1: be about 10 years, ten, ten years. And Ezra, I guess the same yep. same thing. But I'm curious what he's his mindset. Like, obviously they're not dead. So what were they doing? Well, what like what happened? Yeah, to what? Them? Why aren't they
0: back yet? You think well, they would have found out a way by now to get back on well, their own side of things? You know?
1: Well, here here's some here's
2: a question to put out to both you guys. Gosh, I'm just taking over asking questions now on the podcast. But but um, here's a question to ask both you guys. Talking about Thrawn and Ezra, how? This springs springboards me into the next character, Morgan Elsbeth. Oh, yeah. How how is Morgan Elsbeth contacting Thrawn? Because mm. she she literally said Thrawn's reaching out to me through time and space. Um. So like, is this just her just saying it like, um, like you know like dramatically, or is it is she somehow I don't know like like are we gonna get a mirroring of Callus and Zeb? Are we gonna potentially have like an a Thrawn like Thrawn saying to Ezra, yo, if you reach out in the Force to this bad chick I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You know, is it going to be something like that? So Ezra's helping Thrawn. Like, how is Thrawn in, in, on paper, anyways, reaching out to Morgan Elsbeth? That's exactly it. Because we know
0: that. And I love that we got the confirmation. I have a video on the channel that I put out all about the Night Sisters. So if you're unfamiliar with the Witches of Dathomir, go ahead and check out that video. Um, but the idea that she is a user of the Force now. So she could receive a message like from Ezra or something, kind of like maybe what happens with Ray and Kylo. Like, there's been, <laughs> you know, situations in Star Wars where that has happened. I mean, hey, look, like, uh, Obi Wan calling out to, oh, yeah, Luke and Leia is the perfect example. That's been going on since 1980. So there you go. Like, stuff like that can happen <laughs> through time and space is what gets me crazy. It's like, what is this world between worlds sure, yeah, like
1: I'm, I'm, I'm curious what what the what the group chat thinks I mean or not the group chat the, the chat with our listeners like what do they think do they think how do they think that she's communicating with him because she's make she makes it sound like he's having an everyday conversation with this guy
0: yeah <laughs> but another thing that really fascinated me was balon's skull and his I it's like force ability to like maybe like discern part of the future or something like that i thought that was really interesting how she called on him to be like what do you think of the situation and he was like just like focusing concentrating and being able to look forward is interesting
1: mm. yeah I, it, that that's different i've never really seen that before but hey mm. see how it works out
0: yeah yeah i want to just Kind of wrap up our discussion just by bringing out some random Easter eggs, talking about some things that uh, were interesting. I have a I have a couple. First off, I love seeing the E wings, love seeing how cool they looked. Um, and that sequence with Sabine on the on the speeder bike. It's it's great that we're getting more lettered Star Wars craft, right? Yeah, I, I love those. <laughs> you got the U uh, wing, Y wing, X wing. Like it's just fantastic great design too it, it evokes like some things from um i think it's like kyle katarn's ship kind of looks like that a little bit so yeah i loved i loved the inclusion of the of the new star wars design
2: oh yeah that's a that's a great easter egg like the star wars the new designs are always great for vehicles like the more vehicles the better it's just always a good time whether it be like you said the e-wing the u-wing to be in speeder like just all these different um vehicles are always cool to look at just to see what they do and then I always love, like, the way, like, the bad guy's ships always fly. They always make them so, like, ominous, you know, when they fly away. Um, but for me, one of the big Easter eggs... I mean, this may break off into, like, a couple-minute little discussion. But one of the big Easter eggs had to do with the credits of the show. Um, mm. So, like, this is going all over, all around social media. And, like, there's no confirmed actor from Marak. Oh, yeah. And the Inquisitor. And then in the credits... Sam Witwer is credited, but doesn't say for what. So, you know, people are basically, like this is, and like I I alluded to earlier, it's kind of like a coin flip. But people are basically saying, so you know what? Did Dave, are we going to get some type of weird version of Starkiller, potentially? Because, think about this like in terms of our Star Wars poetry you know, things rhyming in Star Wars. Like, we'd have Anakin's apprentice to Soka fighting Vader's apprentice, potentially Starkiller, for one. But for two, there's a super super weird clip from Sam Whitworth from back in like June or May talking about how uh you know Dave him and Dave originally talked about bringing Starkiller into canon at what? some point. Um you know, a different version of Star Killer as an inquisitor, because he, oh, Sam literally wow. said Starkiller does the Inquisitor thing, and you know, then they like went on from the idea and stuff, but that idea was out there. Like Sam oh. Witwer talked about that. So it makes you wonder, like, you know, of course this Marat character could be just a totally no-name character and get get off in the next episode by Ahsoka. But, you know, he did put up somewhat of a little bit of a fight to Ahsoka. And like you know, like you mentioned earlier, Milton, Ahsoka being such like a badass that she is, like Normal inquisitor, she would have like dispensed with pretty quickly. So it just makes you wonder: Are they going to go new character route? Which I, you know, I'm leaning toward. Like that's probably what it's going to end up being: just a new random inquisitor, or is Sam Witwer potentially involved?
0: I don't think it's a random character anymore. If it was a random character by now, he would have been killed, like you said. The fact that he oh, was in two episodes gets me. Also, think,
2: well, one more thing to throw out there too for you, Chris and Milton both. It is interesting to think about, like the character's names, Maroc or Merrick, yeah, and, like Galen Merrick is Star Killer's name, so like it's very close in terms of like the way it sounds, but yeah, what do you guys think? Well, I was already ready to believe this was going to happen in Star Wars
0: Jedi Survivor. I was like, dude, the main antagonist is going to be, it's going to be him as an Inquisitor. I can I call it now, but I'm like. Oh crap! This would work really well too. Now I'm looking at it, so I might actually get my wish just in another Star Wars project. But anyway, that's all I have to say about that.
1: I mean, oh God, I'm going to be that guy today. I, honestly, I hope not. I don't care. Like, I listen. I love like I love Star Killer. I love the video. They're my favorite Star Wars games besides Super Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo, all those games. But I kind of don't want it because that's going to take away from Ahsoka. Because what's going to wow. happen is I'm going to be blind and going to be like, oh my God, that's Galen, because he should wreck Ahsoka easily at that point, you know. Because wow. I'm going to I'm going to have that mindset as as a fan and knowing his backstory, whether it's canon or non canon, it's like there's no way, like don't I don't want them together. Maybe they'll bring him. Maybe look, my idea is right now. This is my head canon. Right now, uh, <laughs> Star Killer is currently frozen in carbonite will be unlocked in the Ray movie in like 20 years. <laughs> so like <laughs> like so, so happen to accidentally find him frozen on cargo. Like, that that's my head canon. I don't want him in the show.
0: <laughs> I just think it would be a really good foil for Ahsoka that I'm thinking about it. Like you have two apprentices basically trained by as Anakin at different times of his life. Like yeah, she could literally come to grips with like his experience with with Vader training him versus her experience with Anakin training them, I and they could have similarities, and they could discuss like what it was like and where they're at now, mm-hmm. and their psyche. And I think that would actually be mm-hmm. like a really One good, minute. like them fighting, and then all of a sudden, like somebody says it, like Anakin said well, this, and, yeah, and then they let their what, guard though, like, down, oh, here's, here's and then the he thing. takes here's off his helmet, and it's like I am Star Killer.
1: <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm gonna say this, and I it might poo poo on you guys brain. I'm sorry. That's probably that's too much. That, that's honestly too much cake. We we don't need all that extra dessert. Cause like that—that's us overindulging, in my opinion. You know, and again, I could be wrong, and they, they could have already shot it and good for them, and hopefully they make it great. I just feel like Star Killer is a character that needs to have his like his his day by himself. Like he's a character Man. that is still well beloved by the original Star Wars fans, and even fans that grew up with it in the um in the uh, late two thousands, you know, whatever. Like you got to give that character his own, like, thing. Mm. I just feel like that's just over, like, compacting the show with him. Because I tell you right now, I'm going to be turned off away from Ahsoka and more focused on Starkiller if we get him. But and I think the think, I mean, this, this show shouldn't do that. Here's, Star here's Wars, one thing.
0: Can I say real quick? Yep, Star, Star Wars has so much history of doing this. Like, I just said it before. Like, they introduced ahsoka who is like this character that was like oh my gosh in 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 mandalorian season two it's like oh my gosh like no one cares about mando because we got ahsoka and then she went away for a little bit and then she gets her own series like what happens if they introduce star killer now and they give Mm -hmm. us a new force unleashed game in like two or three years it's like all right now we get like now we get him in the in this in the golden age of him like training underneath or
1: killing jedi if, if they do it correctly, who I will not even hate. If, it, if, if they write it perfectly and it makes sense within the canon, great. However, I just feel like that can be really murky if you try to tie it into like the into what we're doing now. It could be murky, and I could be completely wrong. That's why I'm trying to preface it in a way where yep. if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I just feel like with this particular show, the focus is already on Ezra. It's already on Thrawn. It's on Ahsoka. You know, it's like it's it's the building of the First Order. Again, we can't forget that Mm -hmm. this is building up to the creation of the First Order. And then Snoke, Snoke's going to pop, not pop up in the show, but he's coming. He's somewhere coming up like in the next 10 to 15 years of this canon. So, like, we really need another impactful character at this point. I think they're trying to tell a clear story with the characters they got going on. I just think Starkiller will be too much, in my opinion, but I could be wrong.
2: I do think the way let's let's all intents and purposes, like I said, I, I feel like with this character, it's highly likely knowing knowing the way they've done a lot of things. Then again, you know, like you mentioned, Chris, they have introduced a lot of characters we didn't expect to come into live action. Um, but I, I feel like it's probably gonna end up being just a new character, but an easy way now they have a super easy layup as to answer to um, you know, you can make tons of spinoff content potentially about a starkiller character. If you just if you just leave him in the other galaxy, you know, you know what I mean? Like if if they I don't know, somehow the bad guys have to leave and somehow can't recover, cover Maroc. like, boom, maybe he there you go. You have plenty of spinoff content with him in a different a different part of the universe. Like so I think they it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize this whole different galaxy thing because it just opens up the do- the door for tons of storytelling like i said you can throw a star killer out there and be like oh he's trapped out there now you can just tell stories about it's like um like for our dc fans it's kind of like the the matt reeve's batman like it it's mm-hmm. like it's, it's it's its own isolated thing with dc okay. but it's still dc so i feel like maybe maybe if they do something like that cuz it just it is tricky like you said milton it is very tricky introducing Starkiller just because of like Ahsoka and then Balin and Shin and all these characters um but yeah I mean there's just a lot of interesting potential when it comes to this series and heck the crazy part is is you know we're eventually I mean I would say probably getting world between worlds you know so like Mm. just imagine when we get that like how crazy like we talk about crazy stuff going on in these first two episodes like You know how you know you mentioned Chris how crazy it is like you know all this like outer galaxy stuff talking we're probably getting world between worlds soon sooner rather than later so it's just like I wonder what they're going to do with that. Oh my gosh yeah so much to so
0: much to just anticipate this this these two episodes really did a lot with opening up the galaxy of Star Wars opening up the world building and yeah I think it's Time to just give our final thoughts and score out of 10. I'm going to throw this one over to Milton.
1: Um, yeah. So overall, my impressions of the premiere and episode two um, thought, thought it was a good start. There's a lot of strengths with the show, some weaknesses, some things I really liked, some things I didn't like. And we talked about it tonight. Um, love the music. Love the visuals. Love the action. And, you know, I love what they were trying to present to us visually think story-wise, it's a solid start. I think we need more context, and we'll get that in the next couple episodes. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long to get to the point of what we're trying to do. And I said it in my message, like, I know the point is to get to Thrawn and get to Ezra and see how that plays out leading into, you know, future projects. However, with the past Star Wars projects, and I'm sure, you know, our listeners would agree with me, with the last couple projects, Aside from Andor, Disney has always gone this weird route of dragging out their stories instead of just taking them where they need to go right away because they're only six to eight episodes. Don't drag it. Get us to the point. Don't Mm -hmm. play around. Overall, I like this premiere. There there are things on it that I think will improve as the show go on. And I said this in our one chat. I think they're doing it on purpose. I think certain things that they're doing to let us wait a second, they're doing it on purpose to get us to the end. Hopefully it pays off. So overall, I thought these two episodes together, out of 10, I would say 8.25. You said 8.25? 8.25, yep.
0: Okay, I'm going to be right around you. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I actually went up on my score. First reaction was like a 7 out of 10. But I look to see the achievement that they've done, and that outweighs the stuff that in my mind was more negative. So. As you mentioned, I'm pretty much gonna echo what you said. Just the music, fight choreography, scale, visual effects, the just the, you know the the bad guys. I love the introduction of Balin. I love the introduction or reintroduction of Morgan, giving weight to those characters. Having that plot line have some kind of urgency to it, where it's like, okay, there is, as you mentioned, Ben, a race against time. The good guys are racing to save somebody. The bad guys are racing to get somebody that's going to cause havoc in the galaxy. It's simple as that, cut and dry. Uh, I just wish there was a little bit more from Ahsoka. I wish some of the dialogue was maybe a little bit quicker and snappier like George Lucas would write, but you know, this is this is not George Lucas here or whatever, but yeah, I would give it an 8 out of 10. I'm going to throw it over to you, Ben.
2: Yeah, for me, um I really enjoyed the premiere. I thought it was a a really good start i love the movie feel to it especially not mm. you know not even just because of the crawl but especially because of the crawl it set the tone like this is hey this is something new um so pay attention like it sets itself apart from the mando verse shows which is good and even Andor. like so like it's good that it's like setting itself apart in a unique way like that and it's making it feel more eventized now that it's at nine so um so you know you have those good aspects to it, and of course you know like you guys mentioned the co- choreography the visuals um, story solid where we're heading um, yeah like for me overall I thought it was a, a really good premiere like I mentioned I think it was um, the best premiere since Mando season 2 so um, there's that so for me I would have to give it an 8.5 nice alright so we all uh,
1: kind of hovered around the same score. Saying, are, are our listeners are, are they putting their scores in Do, are, are they doing that right now
2: I Say whoever's here like drop your score
1: Yeah. Because I'm curious to, to see the what their scores are because I feel like because I, I want to get a good sense of what the community out there is thinking. Because I mean, I I'm on Twitter, but I definitely try to stay away from some Star Wars Twitter because they can be off the chain. So, <laughs> well, um, well, well, Milton, uh, so you know I'm when it's when it, the... go ahead, go ahead.
2: When it you know when it comes to Star Wars Twitter, you could give them the perfect thing and they would still find something to complain about.
1: Yeah, right, yeah. facts. No, because I and I asked that because just because I feel like. Always said this: if they premiere the episodes with two episodes. It tend to comes off better, mm-hmm. you know. And and I feel like even if they would have just done one, this would have been a solid premiere. But I think episode two strengthened episode one. Can you? Imagine? So that's why I went with my eight point two five. You know, again, there were some some flaws with it, but overall, it needs to set the tone. You know, hopefully, they are now consistent. I think forward. people would also have- out there. Throw throw their-
2: yeah. Also to throw out there two guys. Um, finishing up the this discussion on the even the second part of this episode um so it's out there i'm pretty sure steph green the one who directed the second episode is directing episode sure. three so you know expect like that type of directing style which i thought was pretty good like in terms of, like the action and cool, the story yeah. beats and stuff so that's something to like really look forward to
0: yeah i love the mm-hmm. uh, the kind of juxtaposition in the Corellia sequence where you have you know Hera in the in skies she's best at right with chopper then you have coordinating with Ahsoka on the ground fighting. I That yep. felt pure Star Wars to me, and I loved it. Um, yeah, so everybody that's listening out, uh, listening to this after the fact, watching this after the fact, throw in your scores, send them to us, uh, hashtag Outer Rim Transmission on Twitter, on X, however you want to call it these days. And uh, we would love to see that. We're going to be back same time next week. We don't have the episode titles to my knowledge, but uh, I guess they're doing it in parts. So just be uh, check out our review for part three coming up around the same time next week, around seven o'clock Eastern time, Sundays. That's when we love to talk about the latest in Star Wars. Uh, So yeah, we're going to leave it at that. This was a great discussion. Diving into the characters, diving into the overall themes, diving into... Uh, Easter eggs and all the goodness that we all love discussing when it comes to Star Wars. So, it's been a blast, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm excited for the show. Hopefully, next week can continue to build on to what they started.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What can the people find you doing online if you are online? I'll throw it over to you, Milton.
1: Um, I mean, look, they can follow me on Twitter at miltonweber 7 as you see or on Instagram at Milton7Weber. Usually I'm posting on Instagram some workout videos, some personal stuff in my life, whether it's my friends, family, or whatnot. Twitter, I like to retweet funny stuff or just retweet things about sports or whatnot. But if you hit me up, that's cool. Follow me, keep it positive. If not, I'll smack you. Gonna be doing my thing throughout the week, working, hanging out with friends and family, and doing me, going to the gym like always, so yeah.
2: There we go, what about you, Ben? Sounds like a really great, um, great way to do things. Also, a big thing I always love about doing these podcasts on Sundays. Now we're only two days away from the next episode of Ahsoka. Yeah. Like, think about that. So, like, that's definitely something to like get excited for. We're only two days away versus like, oh man, we gotta wait more days. So, like, it's nice that we're only a couple days from that. Um, but yeah, for me, I'll just be talking Star Wars and fitness on Twitter at RealBenMaynard, Maynard, and then on Instagram, I try to post my workouts or fitness-related updates at RealBenMaynard Maynard as well. All right, and you
0: can find me here on youtube.com starraptor if you're watching. Thank you very much. Um, I actually am over on the Star Wars Underworld a lot these days. We, me and Matthew Nigabauer, are talking about the comics on a weekly basis. We do like a lunchtime stream around 12 uh, p.m. Eastern on every Thursday, I think, or we're at least gonna try to do it weekly. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, last week we talked about all the latest Star Wars comics from like up to three weeks ago. So Go ahead, check that out. Uh, Check out my comic book reviews. And if you want to have any kind of companion material to Ahsoka, if you just finished watching the episode, you wake up the next day like Milton, you're on the treadmill warming up or whatever, um, I usually have a video up for you guys to watch that has something to do with the episodes, usually spoiler-specific, so be aware of that. So, yeah, I'll have a little bit more content than I have been putting out in the last several months because it is that time to be a Star Wars fan and be excited about it, so... There you go. So for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Staraptist was Outer room Transmission episode 119. Thanks for watching. May the force be with you and transmission.